You are listening to the Global CTE Podcast with your host, Sylvester Chisholm. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Global CTE Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. This is a place where our goal is to wrap a blanket of goodwill around the career tech education community where we share the brightest, the best, the movers, the shakers, the innovators. And today is absolutely no different. First of all, I have to say we have a fellow Buckeye on the line today, OHIO, Dr. Kevin Fleming. Now, let me tell you about Dr. Kevin Fleming. Dissatisfied with the status quo, Dr. Kevin Fleming has dedicated over two decades advancing career education as a business faculty member, instructional dean, and college vice president. He's a system stinker who plays by the rules while also changing them. An educator and storyteller, he has produced dozens of viral animation videos, including success in the new economy, igniting discussions nationally in conference rooms and dining rooms. A scholar and researcher, he is the author of four books, including the educational bestseller, Redefining the Goal, and the inspirational title, Words Are Your Superpower. An energetic innovator, he is the founder and CEO of Catapult which delivers to educators the world's best thought leaders through hybrid, flexible masterclasses that truly inform, motivate, and transform our institutions. A change agent and tireless student advocate, he has secured and managed over $85 million in competitive grants to increase economic and educational opportunity. Dr. Fleming is an Eagle Scout, lifelong learner, father, and recovering academic elitist. He is passionate about helping all learners intentionally equip their potential and enter the labor market with a competitive advantage. We're so excited for Dr. Fleming to share his story, his journey. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Professor, thanks for having me, man. I'm a fan and I'm pumped to be here. Absolutely. Excited to have you, man. Um, so let's 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 jump right into it. Um, because I know we have a lot to cover. So many amazing things that we just highlighted in the bio, but I, I always like to find the insights from the beginning. So tell us, what's the origin story? How'd you get here? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I am not a likely advocate for CTE. I think oftentimes in our field, um, you know, I find that someone grew up on a farm or their grandfather had a machine shop in their garage or they were in Skills USA or DECA or FFA in high school. Uh, maybe they were in, in the field and industry and then they came back to CTE to give back and to teach. I was none of those. Uh, none of those would fly, would fly to me. I was a um, first generation college student, was on a traditional university liberal arts path. Uh, I found myself overeducated and underemployed. Um, I earned two bachelor's and two master's degrees and I was drowning in debt. And Sylvester, I couldn't get a job. I didn't have the skills. I had the pieces of paper, but I didn't have the technical skills. And I went back and got an industry credential in geographical information systems and GIS. And it was that CTE certificate that lifted me out of working poverty. And I've never looked back. And that opened up a whole world to me of workforce development, economic development, CTE. Um, and so this is my 23rd year in the field and 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 I've loved it. And so primarily in, in you know, post-secondary land, um, 
But I believe this is really the, the hidden gem that's the secret to reducing high school dropouts, of increasing educational relevance, of, of reducing the skills gap. I mean, our, our time has come. And, and so I know for this audience, you know, listen to your podcast, I want to, you know, just, just encourage, but be a voice of encouragement that people are finally listening. You know, like we've been talking and beating the drum for years and, and now it's our time. So it's encouraging to hear work-based learning and apprenticeship and all these things, you know, be in the forefront of the dialogue. So yeah, I, I kind of found... To quote one of your previous podcast guests, I, I, CTE found me, and it was kind of a happy accident um, that that it occurred. And so, yeah, I've been uh, I've been in the field now two decades, and and could never imagine you know going back without it. Man, that's 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 very interesting, um, and it still is a personal connection there with that that certificate. I'm I'm curious if you were to go back, knowing what you know now today, okay, how would you maybe approach? the Kevin Fleming journey differently. Yeah. Like so with that certificate, you know how that elevated you in an interesting way. I call this the the Marty McFly DeLorean question, right? <laughs> so if, if I could go back to the future, right? If I go back in time, I would tell younger Kevin um that it's not about skills or degrees, but you need both. And and I would encourage my younger self to differentiate. See if it, can I be candid to you? Like, I think oh, what happened it. in my story, especially I, I conflated schooling with success and I conflated academic achievement with, with, with life and career achievement. And I thought, Oh, if you get a lot of piece of paper, you're going to be successful. Just, you know, amass those degrees on the wall. And, and, and I did, and I'll go back and say, no, no, don't confuse the two. Like formal education is important. It's imperative, but it's only one modality. It, it, formal education covers two out of the eight intelligences, as we know from Howard Gardner's work. Mm -hmm. And so really, I would, I would tell younger Kevin to, to work on employability skills, professional skills, technical skills, and not just academic skills. And I think for the first, man, two decades of my life, it was, it was just all, all scholarly and academic. And I really thought that was the key. I thought, you know, the diploma was the, the passport uh, to economic certainty and, and, and career mobility. And, and I was wrong. Um, and I found myself stuck. And so it was really the, and I don't think it's the other way either, you know, and I don't think it's just about technical skills either. I think we have to, we have to have that, that strong general education foundation, critical thinking, mm -hmm. you know, teamwork, all those things, um, power skills, essential skills, whatever we want to call it this week. Um, but you need both. I think students need that academic foundation and that, that relevancy of technical skills. And I didn't learn that until, Oh man, my early thirties, mid thirties. And so I would go back to younger Kevin and help him differentiate that and get that industry credential sooner. Uh, so that's why I'm a big proponent of embedding industry credentials and third-party certifications in all of our programs and courses mm -hmm. so that students mm -hmm. are graduating ideally from high school with a diploma and with at least one industry credential uh, and with at least three units of college credit on transcript, you know, as they're walking at high school. I, I think if we can I'm do all of that, it's it positions and well for success. I like how you just framed that new version of um, success of, of success when they're leaving high when they're leaving high school. Um, who can can you give me an example? Maybe someone that you see that that's doing it best, like as it relates to preparing. Maybe something you've seen around the country. I know you move around a lot. Uh, who you feel like is doing a good job with maybe that the credential the credential side or the the badging side of it are you seeing anything that says yeah, i mean uh, there's there's pockets of great 
you know, out of the the thousands of school districts we have, 13,000 school districts in this country, I mean, there's a, a good 10% of them that are doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that previously you had our, our mutual friend, uh, Rachel Mann on the podcast from Milton Hershey. They've had since I think 20, 2011 or 2012, they've had a high school graduation requirement of an industry credential. So yeah. every student is getting at least one, many are getting a list of industry certs when they graduate. And it's easy to do in computer science or graphic design or construction or some of those, or they can rack them up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in my home state in California, um, I can point to um, Merced uh, Union High School District. It's in the Central Valley of California, very rural. Um, okay. They changed their high school graduation requirement about three or four years ago so that every kid, not those students or these students, every student was getting at least one CTE course and an embedded credential to graduate from high school. Now, even the valedictorian that is, you know, Wharton bound, that's going to be working at Wall Street, that accounting pathway with that industry credential and QuickBooks, you know, is still going to be of benefit to that student. So there's schools like that that get it. Um, And there's hundreds of pockets, you know, hundreds of schools all over the nation. They're doing a really good job like that. Um, and, And I think once they realize it's not the... You know, I'll quote one of my favorite authors, Jim Collins. Um, he said he wrote Built to Last and Good to Great. He says That's it's not it. about the tyranny of the or, but the genius of the and. Yes. And so sometimes in education, it's the tyranny of the or. Like we tell our kids, think about think about how much we tell our kids, oh, you could be in, you know, the college bound track and get three years of foreign language or be in the robotics pathway. You could be in the in the healthcare academy or you can get your advanced placement credits. You could be, you know, in dual enrollment or international baccalaureate. And I think we have too many ors and we need to have that genius of the and to say, no, you, you can get an industry credential and the diploma and be college ready and have work-based learning and have relevant, you know, job experience all before you graduate. Um, and, and I say that kind of in a secondary lens, but obviously it works for post-secondary as well. So I, I'm all about embracing the genius of that and. Yeah. So outstanding with the genius of the and, and Jim Collins is also my favorite, uh, <laughs> my favorite business author. Um, and in in line with that, I also think when we when we do the credential part or exposing students to more career opportunities, this is also something he says from, uh, I think it's from yeah, I think it's from the same book if I'm not mistaken. He talks about shooting bullets before we drop bombs. So it gives it gives students a chance to explore more before we just lock into maybe something uh, as it relates to a four year uh, right. college type of journey. Talk to me about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go 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 go. go. No, I was, I was saying bullets, bullets versus bombs. I recently learned uh, a couple months ago of this new kind of a uh, initiative in CTE about micro internships. And, mm-hmm. and I heard this, this prolific guy, uh, Jeff Moss from Parker Dewey, great guy. He was, I uh, heard him on a, a podcast one time saying, you know, when we go into relationships, we date before we marry. And that makes a lot of sense to us, right? We, we always tell young people, oh, don't go too quick. Like, don't get engaged right away. Like we always date before we marry with relationships, but yes. we don't do that with careers. And I think it's a great analogy to say, how can we help students date with different industries, different fields, you know, d- date different problems that need solving, you know, before they commit before they buy the ring, you know, and commit to a major or a pathway or a military MOS or whatever it is. And, and so micro internships, and there's a lot of different ways to do this. There's a lot of ways to get that, that exposure, that relevant experience, project-based learning, work mentorships, you know, in the community paid or unpaid, but preferably paid. There's a lot of equity reasons for that. Um, But there's, we need to be intentional about it. 
And imagine if, here's the what if question, Sylvester, what if every high school student in America was having at least one, if not more than one, relevant exposure to the world of work before they graduated? I, I haven't heard an, a student-centered argument of why that's not good for every youth in our country, right? Yeah, yeah, I get excited when I, I've had several guests on who are just going crazy with what you said. It's not just one, but it is fully immersive. I feel like the future of education looks more is is going in that direction uh, of what you just said there. Now that that leads me to let's talk your uh, your animation videos, man. Like you, you're crushing it with this. Um, you know, just it makes it so simple. You're breaking down like complex subjects or things that may not be so exciting, but you're br bringing a lot of excitement and interest. Uh, with the way you format these videos. Uh, so hats off to you with that. Student success is the new economy. Tell me more about what that means to you, like some insights. That was one of the videos that really caught my attention. Thank you. And I'm humbled by the way you framed that. Uh, you know, I, I never had a business plan. I didn't have like a 10-step a, a you know, like five-year plan on how I was going to do this. I fell into this. Like, you know, I was, I've been given speeches and keynote addresses and trainings for 22 years. And for many years I was doing this and I'll give credit where credit's due. I was at Citrus College in California. And uh, the team there said, Kevin, you know, it was dynamic, you know, keynote was such a great session. They said, but everyone can't be in the room with you. We need to record this and like put this in some kind of a, and this is before Ted was, Ted talks for a thing, but they're like, we got to record this somehow and put this out on the internet. So we ended up, uh, they connected me with one of their CTE students at Citrus College that was doing animation. And we, you know, they put us together and it took us a year to put out success in the new economy. Um, and that video, you know, I'll let you and your listeners in on a little insight. It was supposed to be two videos, one for like students and one for educators and parents. But then the timeline got tight and it was the first one I ever did. And we were hitting that Perkins deadline and the, they had a deliverable by June 30th. So we mashed it together. So it's supposed to be two five minute videos, ended up being one 10 minute video, but it ended up going. Sylvester, I'll tell you, I, I didn't know that it would take off the way it did. I, I thought maybe 11 people and my mom would watch this thing. <laughs> and, and now it's over like 35 million views. It's brought me to 41 states and, and it just has resonated with folks. And, and I think the medium of animation is powerful. Right. And, and, you know, like our brains are wired for stories ever since, you know, sitting in you know, caveman time, sitting around the campfire, or even Egyptian hieroglyphics, right? We're all about stories and connections. We don't remember the pie chart. We don't remember the statistic, but we remember the emotional, you know, arc of a storyline. Um, and so, uh, you know, they said, we got to put this in, in the story and animation does that. We can, we can really tell, as you mentioned, complex labor market realities, educational reform principles. We can put in an animation medium and it makes it accessible, approachable, understandable. It democratizes access to that conversation. Um, and so I did that one. And, and frankly, my friend, it just took off. I've done over 80 videos now, a lot of which are on my website, you know, for school districts, for state departments of ed, for national groups like, like Skills USA and others. And it's been a fun ride. Um, I'm really excited. I'll let your, 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 your listeners here on a little insight. I got a couple more coming out this year that I'm particularly excited about. One is about school counselors and about mm -hmm. the role of school counselors. And one is about reevaluating the building blocks of learning and how we really perceive that learning can take place both in and out of a classroom. So yeah, I've got a couple new new ones coming out and, and I've just enjoyed just creating my... those resources for educators to use, you know? Yeah, yeah, you just took my next question. I was gonna say, what's come I was gonna say, what's coming, what's coming next? But thank you. You are in my you're in my head today. Oh, Sylvester, who's your favorite author? Jim Collins. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> like mine. Well, sorry, not sorry for stealing the next question. Uh, no, but yeah, that's... I, I, I'm always working with groups to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we evangelize others yes. into our world and how do we share it? You know, there's not one silver bullet way. So it might be a podcast. It might be a book. It might be an animated video. You know, we've got to continue to address this from a number of different angles. Um, and I think the message is resonating but it's being intentional about how we communicate the message, both in words and in medium. You know, like I believe in in, in the old proverb that you are seldom a, a prophet in your own land. And so sometimes mm -hmm. you need that external voice, that external video, you know, sending a link to your podcast to someone saying, hey, take a listen to this. And it may not be your voice as the CTE educator in, at your site. It may not be you as the teacher, or the administrator. It might be forwarding this for someone else and sharing a clip or sharing a video. And sometimes that has the ability to, to flip a light switch in someone's mind and then have them rethink, you know, about education and about the purpose of what, what we're doing and how we're, I believe, well-intentioned, all trying to ensure our students have good, successful, holistic lives and are prepared for a lifetime for commencement, but how we do it is different. And so, uh, so yeah, my whole thing is all about creating as many resources and modalities as possible um, so that everyone listening just to equip them with more, more ammunition, more arrows in their quiver of how they can promote our shared mission to their communities and to their families. Mm -hmm. I, I like how you just framed that. Um, that was a real gem for educators that that are listening. It's not about you necessarily having directly having all of the answers, but you may find that nugget of wisdom and facilitate the learning. You know, guide on the side, which is really more of a modern and current and relevant approach that creates the engagement and learning in students, which brings me to my next question. Okay. Um, one of your, your, your popular keynotes, asking the right questions to facilitate that keyword, since you just brought this up, facilitate student success. What, what are one or two of those questions? That yeah. You, you just nailed it. I mean, first of all, it's redefining our role and unfortunately, a lot of our districts confine us in terms of saying you're a teacher, you're a faculty member, right? I mean, if, if we look up the Webster's definition of teacher, it's to instruct. It's just to give content. But progressive educators, we know you, we can't just be the sage on the stage and stand there and read from the book and just convey information and then have them do a Scantron or a blue book essay like that. That's not education anymore, like especially with technology and we won't get into AI in this call. I don't think too much, but with everything going on in the world, like our students don't need us to be vessels of content. They need us to be facilitators to help them really understand here are the questions who they are what all of their options are in the world after they graduate, and then what is the right alignment or juxtaposition between who they are and the opportunities out in the world. And some of our students are misaligned, right? And if we can get that, that all the planets to align for them, um, that that's again, going back to Jim Collins, that's that hedgehog he calls when it's right in the middle of that Venn diagram. And so th the questions that we have to ask of ourselves and of our students is just really like, what do you love to do? What are you good at doing? What are the problems the world needs solving? What can you get paid to do? And what are the wage ranges, not just the average, right? And, and importantly, what are you good at doing? You know, it's not just what you can do. We can all do many things, right? As a human being, we are three-dimensional, we're multi-talented, but the reality is, and we can go down a list, you know, like there's some sports or some subjects you're going to be better at 
than me. There's some I'm going to be better at than you. And there's a long list of stuff we both stink at. Like we are not good, right? We could, we could, you know, humbly list those. Uh, I'm not good at golf, for example. And I'm unabashedly not afraid to say that. So because I'm not good at it, I don't do it. And because I don't do it, I don't get better at it. And because I don't get better at it, I don't do it. And it's a cyclical thing, right? Well, if we can help a student understand that and identify what are their gifts, what, where do they have that natural propensity where they find flow and they get motivated to get out of bed, to do something, to learn something, to solve a problem? It's not about getting a grade. That That's extrinsic motivation is antiquated and doesn't work. But you show me a student that is 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 salivating to solve a problem, that is excited, whether it's a, a video game or a social justice issue, when they're focused and they see how the goal can make a difference and they're curious and have the insatiable desire to solve a problem, Woo, get out of their way. You know, you don't, you don't need to incentivize them with a, with a transcript, right? And so I, those are the questions to facilitate. And so as educators, we need to sometimes get out of our own way. And if I were king of the world, and my wife likes to remind me I'm not, Sylvester, but if I was king of the world, <laughs> I would change our job descriptions and we wouldn't be teachers. Okay. We wouldn't what be would faculty. Be? We would be facilitators of work-based yes. learning. You know, we wouldn't mm -hmm. be counselors. We'd be architects of human development. I think, you know, words matter. And I think sometimes we get in these boxes of what our position is or what our job description is. And it doesn't do justice, I think, to really our heart and our ability of, of how we can truly transform the trajectory of someone's life far beyond just helping them meet the student learning outcomes of this one course. Mm -hmm. Man, you're on fire, man. Oh, man, you're on fire today, Kevin. You're on fire, man. Listen. I had three cups uh, of coffee, brother. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Today. That'll do it. <laughs> but you know, I'm 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 loving the conversation because you're really talking my language. I'm I'm a firm believer in learning by doing. Um, allow allow these students to get their hands dirty so they can be exposed to to more opportunities and find themselves in the work. Yes. Um, so they can find themselves in those career pathways, man. One one thing I picked up. As I was watching one of your animations, um, I want to move us to the, the skills gap, right? Um, I, I saw this interesting, um, this, what did you have in here? Georgetown University. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm. I had to look at my notes here. Georgetown, your Georgetown University study says that by 2030, approximately only 33% of the jobs will require a four-year degree. So us focusing on the college for all message, that's over. And we yeah. should be moving toward the skills, uh, the credentials. Talk to me more about how how that stat ties into the skills gap and, and your thoughts around it. Yeah. When I first saw that, I did a double take and I had to like read the fine print, make sure I wasn't misunderstanding that. But yeah, Harvard came out with a similar study with Pathways of Prosperity. Georgetown has come out with this, Dr. Carvalho. I mean, there's a lot of great research out there. It's one third. Now, depending on the study, I find 32%, 33%, some say 35%, but it's in that ballpark, right? I've never seen any economic projection. I've never seen any labor market analysis that says 51% or more of our population needs a four-year bachelor's degree or more. It, the, the most, the largest I've ever seen, full disclosure, was in California by the Public Policy Institute of California. They said by, I think it was by year 2030 or 2035, that 
mm-hmm. all Californians who need a four-year degree or more. So that's bachelor's, master's, doctorate. Mm-hmm. So even if they're right, that's 42%, right? Which means 58% don't. So when I get in front of school board members, I like to challenge them and say, okay, even if that, the 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 most like leaning per- stat I could find, even if that's 42. true, and I don't know that it is, I think Georgetown's closer with the 35%, but mm-hmm. even if it's 42, are you school board member? Are you ensuring that 58% of your student graduates are ready for the world to work? Man, are 58% on, of your Kevin. students getting an industry credential? Are 58% of your students in a CTE pathway? Right. I mean, that's what it should be. 58% yeah. of your students in an apprenticeship? Oh, man. Those are hard conversations, but important yeah. ones to have with our elected officials and our leadership. Um, because in an ideal, from an economic perspective, in an ideal supply and demand scenario, we'd be pumping out students with the exact skills that the labor market demands. Now that's a very crude way of looking at it because we're not just factories pumping out workers for an industry. But in one sense, you know, if the world needs 42% or 35% of baccalaureate earners, then we should have about that, or maybe a little more for attrition going into higher ed. Um, but yeah, you, you said it before, right? It's it's that university for all philosophy that we've been drinking from that, that I was indoctrinated in early on. Same here, same here. Same, you too, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. think about how much time in high schools we're spending on college readiness, yeah. FAFSAs, application essays, you know, college tours. We're spending so much time on that mm-hmm. admission bridge <laughs> instead of focusing on the alignment between self-discovery, you know, self-exploration and then career fit. And, and so I think we're a lot of good people doing good work and I don't want to, you know, beat anyone up, but I mean, I think it's, it's a little mis directed to be that focus on college for all. And, and by the way, college for all is normally perceived as university for all. And I'm a Kennedy yes. college guy. So we got to broaden that. Yes. It's like post-secondary, mm-hmm. not just college. Um, but it's really about the plethora of things, military, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. gap years, studying abroad, a volunteer service, you know, like teach for America, AmeriCorps, Jesuit volunteer corps, or the university or applied associates degree. There's, there's so many ways that someone can find fulfillment and success. And so to, to say that there's one track that, you know, college for all. Yeah. It's, it's, that's been over it's, for a long time. I, it, to me, I've, I've noticed this. It's, it's the status symbol. I mm. think it's, it's the, it's definitely in America. It is the American accepted status symbol of success, a college degree, which, I mean, it's part of the storyline that is, shared it's a part of the american dream the model right yeah. but i think the new we're we're having these new conversations and i'll tell you i paused the video when i saw that i i ran it back i said like, i need to see this again and you know what my thought was i <clears throat> i said i wonder what this number is today here 2023 because I'm assuming when this was recorded, it did not factor in this major boom of AI, which probably changes this. I think it changes it even more because so much information is also more readily available uh, with the use of that of that technological advance. So I think our educators, man, we really have to. <laughs> To get in gear here to to talk more post-secondary success, helping these kids. I love how you said it too, uh, the self-discovery. I believe it starts there, you know, like really locking in on that first so they can find themselves in the work. And college is one 
part of a possible solution. Not Absolutely. The only, not the only one. And, and, and sure. I, I get, um, you're so right in the way you, you're framing that. And, and for me, it's like nails on a chalkboard when someone says, oh, there's college or the alternatives. I was like, wait a minute, an alternative is like, oh, I didn't get my first choice. So the alternative is community mm -hmm. college. Or It's like, it's not an alternative. It's actually a a, a more viable path for, for many. Um, and it is equally viable. Like the military is not an alternative. Entrepreneurship is not an alternative. It's pivotal. They're, these are necessary yes. options that are equally as important, but in our, in our system, and, and we could go down a whole rabbit hole uh, trail here, rabbit trail about like the system and metrics and how we're funded and, and who created these metrics that we're beholden to. Um, but, but let's, let's be frank. Our system isn't created about really fulfilling the holistic potential of every learner. It's really about ADA, FTS, butts in seats, reimbursement from the state, quantified hours, Carnegie unit, all that jazz, right? And I think the tide is shifting. And I think to your point about the projection, yes, it was a few years ago, most labor market projections, they can't take into account things like pandemics. They can't take things into account yeah. like AI. Are those yeah. going to change? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and it's I, not going and it's not going the other way. It's going it's going to more like certification, credentialing, like it's going more that way in, in my personal opinion. That's yeah. And, and even if, you know, all statistics have that that variability yeah. of accuracy. Right. I mean, we make decisions about what's in the denominator, what's in the numerator and how we calculate these things. But even if these stats are off by three to five percent, I mean, the reality is we don't need ninety nine percent of residents to get a degree. And we don't need, on that flip side, we don't need 99% of residents to get an industry credential either, right? right. I, I mean, there's, right. we need plumbers and we need artists, yeah. right? I mean, to yeah. have a vibrant society, we need all of these different yeah. colors of the rainbow, right? But, but yeah, I don't know exactly what the right number is going to be, but I agree with you. Things like the gig economy, things yes. like AI, are they going to impact the work we do? Absolutely. We're seeing companies now, here we are, you know, middle of 2023, for those watching this in the future, um, you know, we're seeing companies now that are laying people off or not hiring for positions because they're, they're learning that AI can do some different things. Whole industries like photography and, and video and game design are getting completely, you know, speech writers. I mean, there are whole industries that are getting a little shake up here. It's not that we're not going to need those in the future. They're just going to look, what? Look different. Look different. Yeah, it's gonna look so, different. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's gonna create new opportunities. But I, that's why I was just like, man, this this number here is scary. But it's I actually think it's even scary. It's even scarier when you add in things that you just said. Um, I want I want to move us to, um, since we're 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 talking future of education, preparing best practices, thought leadership. Uh, what's next, man? Catapult. Your 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 PD for school districts. Um, talk talk to me about why did you start Catapult, and yeah. if, you know maybe just give a little insight on what it is for if someone who's who's listening and they're not sure. For well, for all of us in education, we believe in professional development. We believe in continuous improvement, and so historically, we learn through a few specific modalities. We either listen to a podcast or a webinar. We go to a conference or we sit in a conference room or classroom and do like a short-term training. And, and all those are good, but we pretend that those are gonna be the, the, the solution to changing school culture, to getting people on board, to getting everyone to understand a certain message. And those are inadequate for that. And so a couple of years ago, I was actually speaking with some other speakers, uh, like yourself and others that, that do this for a living and go around and travel. And I says, you know, like 
we're not piercing school culture and making long-term change by these one and done keynotes, one and done trainings, one and done conferences that five people go to. There's not a critical mass. So I actually worked with uh, giving credit to the Association for Career and Technical Education at ACTE. I was volunteering with them on a national board and we reverse engineered effective professional development. And we looked at how do we actually get everyone at a school or at a college on board with the ideology behind CTE, the, the philosophy around career readiness and holistic you know, career development. And so we created a different approach. It's through a masterclass model where we have now 26 uh, experts uh, in their field, including you. I'm excited you'll be joining the family here in the fall. There's a preview. I'll get to that in a second. But we have 26 speakers uh, that have deep roots and expertise in CTE. And I believe that iron sharpens iron. And so we've got the best of the best that can now be delivered virtually to every employee in a school. Um, we've got four different master classes on, on, on specific CTE related topics. And so here's the spoiler alert. So I invited, and if you're listeners, I'm excited. Sylvester said, yes, he's going to be joining our fall masterclass on instructional excellence, uh, where 12 of the best uh, thought leaders in the space are going to be able to deliver to teachers and faculty members nationally, you know, remote and then with, with a, a, a hybrid flexible. So there's a remote, uh, you know, asynchronous piece and then a live Q&A piece to really dive into how do we truly change the trajectory? of our students' lives from the classroom, you know, in with everything we know and the way the world is rapidly changing, how do we have advisory boards that matter? How do we understand the CT model? How do we embed technology? Uh, so we have 12 great speakers, uh, including Sylvester, that's gonna be launching that. So the masterclass model we've found has been super effective over the last couple of years, over hundred institutions just doing it this year alone. Um, and so we're, we're working with the Mike Rowe Foundation and, and Handshake and Youth Science and Dreamcatcher and all kinds of great organizations that are behind this with a goal of really getting more support for us and your listeners and for our initiatives and our programs. So it's not something that's marginalized, but it becomes more the, the majority of our students' experience. Wow. And, and to add to that, um, one, Thank you for including me on the Catapult PD team. When I tell you um, this is to the audience, like the people that Kevin has assembled, like our leaders, rock stars in the industry, um, people who are living in the future as it relates to uh, what's happening now and next. And I think what I found so incredible about it, Kevin, it's like these are top these are top heavy hitters here man and and you have all of us giving access i mean you're giving access to these school districts like this is something that would be challenging i would think for an individual school district to bring all of these people individually themselves to their school to offer pd and that's what i love about it can you talk to me about like that part, if, if there's yeah. some extra insights to share. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, our work-based learning, you know, masterclass has seven speakers. If you were to individually bring in all seven to your site, fly them in, uh, and I'm not giving away any any inside knowledge by saying this, but if you took all seven of those and flew them in and have them do like a one-hour keynote, you know, and had like one every couple of weeks over the whole semester, it'd be over $160,000. Schools exactly. can't afford that. It's it's insane, right? They, that That blows out all of our PD budgets and then some. But by pooling, what we've done is we pool 15 institutions together 
and every semester to do a master class, and then collectively we pool our resources to be able to get the best talent. And these are true unicorns, right? These are orators, they're subject matter experts, they're, persu they're persuasive, they're they're very dynamic and, and convincing. And there is there is no way our colleagues could listen to these this lineup and then be like. Nah, we could just keep doing what we're doing. I'm gonna just dismiss that. Like you, you can't listen to Mike Rowe or Brandon Busteed or Heather McGowan or Rachel Mann or Sylvester and be like, oh no, that we don't need to listen to that. No, like and so it really, it's it, the approach that I like to say is it's it's really an IV drip instead of drinking from the fire hose when it comes to effective professional development. We can't just do a, a conference in two or three days or a one day training and expect systemic change. We don't teach our students that way. We have them take a whole semester class or a whole year class. Our PD needs to be the same for us. Yeah. So that's the, the catapult model is to bring the best of the best to every employee at a site from the elected school board members all the way down to the cafeteria team. So there's a truly shared experience that everyone can understand and dig deep into. And we provide all the things, right? Reflection questions and activities and worksheets and all that. But it's really about that common experience that gets more, it galvanizes support for us beyond our wildest imagination, because we get that diversity of, of different thought leaders to present to our colleagues. Uh, so yeah, for anyone that's interested in that, I would love and to partner with any of your listeners in their schools. For sure. And and it, it matters, man. Like uh, high quality PD, not just dialing it in. It yeah. really matters. It, it shows for any leaders who listen, it shows your team. It shows your educators that you really care about uh, making an impact on their lives as well as the student body. Like I, I'll never forget, I received a testimonial once from a, a, a PD that I did, a lady, she emailed, she said, you know, normally when our school has people come in or our district has people come in, I, I'm not even paying attention. I'm like, well, let me grade some papers or something. But you, you started talking and I said, oh, hold on, let me put these papers down and start listening. And I know you assembled a team of, of those, that caliber of individuals. The Q&A part, like, talk to me about that because a lot of times that that access is 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 hard to get as well. Yeah. Talk to me about that part. So I believe that, you know, from an entrepreneurship lens and you're an entrepreneur as yeah. well, like most great products or services solve a problem. You know, they, they fill a gap, they, they fill a need. Well, for me as an educator, I'd be going to these conferences, I would hear this dynamic keynote speaker and selfishly, I wanted five minutes or 10 minutes because I had a question to ask them. Maybe maybe they had this great concept of the 3,000 foot view, but my school's a little different. My state is a little different. My region's a little So I always wanted to pick their brain for just a few minutes about a scenario that I was dealing with or a challenge that I had or an internal political dynamic. And I would I wanted their expertise. You know, where did they see this working well somewhere else? So when we created the catapult, we wanted to create that opportunity for that, mm -hmm. for that, that little sidebar in the hallway with these expert speakers that you never ever would be able to otherwise you know, connect with. So all of our keynotes, you know, are followed by a, a virtual Q&A session with, with the speakers. You could hop on and say, I heard you say this in the keynote, but what about that? You know, what about the, this little twist yeah. on it? Or what would you recommend for this nuance? So yeah, I figured you know, I always wanted that. So when we were building the model, we're like, let's build that in. Let's really, you know, provide deeper access to these thought leaders that are super passionate and exemplary in what they do. And they have such a heart of gold, you know, wanting to give back and answer questions and connect with educators. Uh, so yeah, it's the model. It's the, the keynotes for all followed by the Q&A session. That's, that's what I was going to say. That last part you just said, Kim, usually that's my favorite part. Like, oh yeah, is, is the direct, when you can answer someone's question directly, they leave 
of field. Like, oh, that was amazing. I had a question. It was answered. And uh, it's usually my favorite part where a lot of times some of the best nuggets of, of wisdom are, are, are shared. I'm, um, I'm curious, though, like impact. Give me an example, like a, a school district who said like catapult worked. It was transformational to our students. Our, I mean, not our students, our staff. Uh, or educators, give, do you have something to share there? Oh, yeah, we're we're very transparent about our outcomes, or even on our on our website homepage of all of the survey outcomes mm -hmm. data. But a couple examples: um, there was one school in Illinois. They went through our master class on student recruitment and marketing because they had all these great programs that had empty seats. And as a result, they ended up adopting a customer relationship management software, a CRM, completely changed the way they communicate to their students, more tailored communication, very individualized and personalized messaging. And so then they've seen enrollment and engagement go up as a result of, of our masterclass. Uh, just this semester on our career readiness masterclass um, had here in Orange County, California, had a number of schools that we were talking about augmented reality and technology infusion and how to help our students be ready for remote and hybrid work. And as a result of the masterclass, they're doing a, an AR VR symposium where they're going to have over 100 Oculus Rift goggles in a parking lot and allow parents and students and others to come and try it. But maybe, maybe they've never done augmented reality before to see what it is. And so they're doing a huge AR symposium and they're doing that for their in, the employees and the teachers too, so that everyone can try it out. So it destigmatizes you know, what it is and they can see the benefits of having that immersion experience, whether you're traveling the world, learning a language, or even trying to, you know, have mastery in spot welding. There's so many reasons that it could be a helpful modality. So, so they're doing that as a result of the masterclass. I mean, we've really seen uh, curriculum get changed, academic senates, agendizing conversations um, and policies. Uh, we've seen work-based learning policy be changed as a result of our work-based learning masterclass. So yeah, the outcomes are, are are deep and wide, and it's been a blessing and frankly humbling to see the power that can take place when we really bring this message to all of our colleagues at a local site. Man, that's that's outstanding, Kevin. And I, I do want my listeners to know, like I intentionally created this this podcast to share wisdom, knowledge, insight, and resources that are going to push us, um, push education further, faster, uh, help create the outcomes and really find ways to prepare, best prepare our students for success um, in the global marketplace. And I feel like what you're doing is so innovative. When you, when, when I talk to educators uh, or school leaders about PD, it's not usually like an exciting thing, but what you're doing, um, man, keep it going. I know Catapult will be fine on its own. Uh, so if you, if you're hearing this and it seems like it's a good fit, you know, check it out. Um, but keep it going, Kevin, keep it going, keep it going. Thank man. you for that encouragement. I appreciate it. And like your podcast is achieving that goal. I mean, it is, it is providing that blanket of love and support and helping people connect. I've learned from a number of the past episodes myself. I mean, there's just so many good people doing great work and no one knows it all. And so it's yes. great to just keep making those connections um, and let people tap in where it's helpful to them at that time, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Last question. Last question. I ask every guest this, uh, as it relates to career tech education, what's your vision for the future of CTE? Woo. That's a big question. All right. So here's in my crystal ball. <laughs> here's what I see. Yes. I see. First of all, Break it's it. our time. 
It's our time. We are on, on the frontal lobe and the front page and center stage of everything right now. So what's exciting is I think we are going to see uh, CTE enrollments and, and funding and support go up. I think we're going to completely revolutionize the way we deliver CTE. I think we're going to see a lot more hybrid flexible, a lot more asynchronous, a lot more meeting students where they are. I think really the definition of place is going to change. I think right now we still deliver a lot of our content in the classroom. I think we're going to see in the years to come us delivering our facilitated experiences out in the world, in the community, in the workplace, with nonprofits, not always in a classroom. I mean, I, I almost, I think we'll see a decline in our footprint in our schools as a good thing. And I think we're going to blur the walls of our classroom so that eventually, Sylvester, I think in 10 years from now, you're going to walk into a space maybe like the space behind you in your, in your, in your Zoom background there. We're going to walk into a collective space and I think we're going to see people from three or four generations working together, solving a problem, learning from each other, really project-based learning, and they're going to be producing a, a product or a service and they're going to be learning from one another. And you're not going to be able to tell if that is a classroom or if that is a business because they're going to look the same. And I think that's where we're headed with CTE. I think we're going to blur that line so much. It'll be indistinguishable. Makerspaces are kind of like the first you kind of window in what that might look like. But I think we're going to see collabs and, and different collaborative spaces that truly are indistinguishable from yeah. the local startup, you know, incubation center and from, from the high school hands-on learning academy. I think those are going to become synonymous and one and the same soon. And it's exciting to see that happen. And again, for all those that are listening, you're at the forefront of that and you're grinding and you're doing the extra work, you're managing the grant, you're taking the time in the evenings and weekends for your students. Let me just say thank you. Thank you for being the, the champion, the linchpin, the, the, the game changer that's out there doing things differently, uh, being dissatisfied with the status quo, what's going on in your school. We need that. I want to just encourage you and keep pushing. Don't give up. You are not alone. There's a lot of us out here doing that. And so just keep pushing because the metrics are changing. The formulas are changing. The laws are slowly changing. And every year, it's just going to get easier for us to lift our students up in the way that we know they deserve. So, so keep pushing. I love it. Kevin, man, you are on fire today. Uh, this is one of my favorite conversations by far. The energy that you gave the audience today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find Kevin Fleming, uh, Catapult, share your, your links or resources? Ah, thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, my my homepage is kevinjfleming.com. Um, I have a lot of videos and resources there. And then for Catapult Masterclasses, it's catapultlpd.com. That's for leadership and professional development. So catapultlpd.com. Uh, those are the best two places. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn every day. So hopefully I'll see you guys all there too. Absolutely. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you please share it with a friend. Don't be selfish. This was a phenomenal episode. Dr. Fleming shared a lot of gems today. And uh, we want to pass those along to the rest of the educators in the world. Um, thanks again, man, for, for showing up for us. And thank you all for listening. And until the next episode, remember, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Global CTE Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to be the first to know about future episodes.